0: Good to uh, see each of you in the house of the Lord on today. And uh, Anthony, he's uh, come here. Come here, boy. Amen. <laughs> hey, I've come in here today, and he's sporting his shirt right here. It says, "Daddy, 2018." All right. <laughs> so we wanted to congratulate him and sarah today all right i guess she's got a shirt like that too he's he said sarah's got one just like it and i said does it say daddy on it too she said no. but he didn't mean exactly that but they're celebrating the same thing all right praise god well the spirit of the lord has been rich here among us and these past few weeks has been wonderful as we have seen people's lives change giving their hearts and lives to christ I, received this testimony here this morning I hold in my hand a testimony of a life that was spared this past week uh, by God's grace and his mercy and uh, wanted to thank the church and for us being a church that prays and believes in the power of God and uh, can we thank God for a life being spared amen (laughs) hallelujah amen God's doing great things and I'm glad to be a part of it aren't you Amen. We're living in a time that's exciting. It's an exciting time. It's a challenging time. It's a testing time, but it is also a time of harvest. Amen. We've sown into. Amen. We've sown into. Now it's time to reap, it's harvest time amen the most important time of harvest is the day that the seed is chosen for when you choose the seed it will determine your harvest amen and we as the body of Christ and the kingdom of God have sown into this earth And I believe today that it is no longer time, yes, we will continue to perpetually sow, but hear me in the spirit, it is time for us to reap a harvest that we have sown into for many, many years. Amen? Some of those saints that have already gone on and have prayed tears and wept tears and believed God for their families, but the Bible says that we will go into the field where we did not plant and we will reap a harvest amen and I believe those days are upon us when we will see that happen in our time amen glory to God well we talked last week we've been beginning uh talking about the vision here at One Life Church and we talked about last week encountering God an encounter with God is not the end it is just the beginning once you encounter God then it begins And so, this is a lifestyle that we live. We encounter him in salvation, but then we encounter him on a daily perpetual basis. We have encounters with a living God. That encounter that we have with him begins to change us in our life and creates a desire, a hunger, an appetite for more of him. Have you ever uh, tasted... uh, some some ice cream that you've never tasted before and whenever you tasted it, you said, I loved that all my life. Because you didn't, may not have tasted it before, but you love it and you know that had you tasted all of your life, you'd have loved it, right? That's the way God is. Whenever we taste of him, David said it like this, taste and see that he is good. And whenever we taste of him, it gives us a desire and an appetite to have more of him. And so uh, whenever we encounter him, that's our first step. And that is where that we begin to uh, believe. But then we begin to walk with him and we begin to uh, have another experience with him, which is to equip believers. Amen. Equip believers. We do this and it begins in our life group. That's where we begin to do life together. Amen. We begin to do life together. Uh, this is for real. This is for real. I'll I tell you today that, that if you are not connected, I can make a lot of jokes, you know, like the banana that leaves the the uh, group is the one that's going to get peeled and eat and all of that. And, and uh, But this is for real. If you do not do life together, you will not make it. I'm just going to tell you straight up. You will never make it. Not in this. Because this is not a lone ranger. Tonto is dead. Amen. We must have community. We were designed for community. God created us. Whenever he seen Adam, he said, I I realize it's not good for man to be alone. It wasn't a secondary thought. He already knew that. That's the reason why he had put uh, Eve, a woman, inside, right? And takes, extracts from him what has always been and creates him a helpmate so that they can have relationships, so they can walk in life together. And I'll say to you today that God knew that that was the case then and he knows it's the case today and we must do life together. We must have God connections so that we can be able to uh, overcome the obstacles that the enemy has brought into our life. Paul was a well-educated man. He was versed in many things. But when he had his encounter with God, it was necessary for him to be equipped. And so we see in Acts chapter 11 that that Barnabas took Paul to Antioch and for one year he teaches him, he equips him, he prepares him for the rest of his life, for the rest of his ministry. He is being discipled. He is being equipped, and so here at one life, we see that uh, that equipping begins in life groups. That relationship begins in our life groups. and the church has called to many it called it many things throughout the years. We have called it discipleship. We have called it Sunday school. We've called it family training hour. We, we've called it a lot of different things. It doesn't matter uh, what you want to call it. What I will tell you is that you have to have it. It doesn't matter to me if it is on a Wednesday night at 10 o'clock or if it is on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. One thing is for certain that you must be equipped. You must be discipled. And without discipleship, then you will just be prey for the enemy to devour. Amen. Amen now as you can already tell i'm not going to sugarcoat it today i'm just going to tell it like it is all right because uh fluff isn't going to get you anywhere you can think that you can make it on your own but what does the bible say about a man that falls in a ditch when he's alone he has nobody to pick him up a single stranded cord is easily broken But put three of them together and it's difficult to conquer, right? So I'm thankful that whenever we have have relationship, we have community, we have family, we have discipleship, then it's going to be harder for the enemy to take me out. Amen. The New Testament church called it house to house. This is where Jesus equipped people. He did, he did not equip in the temple. He equipped in house to house. And I want to go with to Acts chapter 2, verses 42. We, we know our, our theme scripture, right? But I want to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continually steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine so the first thing they had, they had four things here. First, they had doctrine. You know, a lot of churches today don't want doctrine. They just want to live however. Don't, don't, don't have any boundaries. Don't have any restraints. Just do whatever. But I thank God for sound doctrine. Amen? So they had apostles' doctrine. Secondly, they had fellowship. Thirdly, they had breaking of bread, and the fourth thing is they prayed together. And it said, after they had this, then the fear of the Lord came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. How did signs and wonders take place? Because of these four things, doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And then, miraculous took place. Then the signs and wonders took place and now all who believed were, uh, were together and had all things in common and they sold all their possessions and goods and divided them among all as many as need and so continually daily in one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I want you to notice here in verse 46 these two things. It isn't either or, it's both. Right? So continually daily in one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house. They were, uh, ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. In verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to the church and the Lord added to the church daily not on Sunday not on Wednesday not in a good revival service come on somebody all of that's good but he added to the church daily those who were being saved how is it that people can be saved if there is no service How is it that people can be saved if there is no church gathering? Well, it was never intended to be that. Amen? He taught his disciples to be disciples, to be witnesses, and they led others to Christ. They discipled them. They brought them along. And so thank God for those who walk the aisle and give their heart and life to Christ. Come on, somebody. Amen. Thank God for that. But, the, but this world is not going to be saved by just Sunday morning services. Amen. This world is not going to be saved by having mega crusades. We'll do all of that and thank God for that. But listen, it will not be saved. How are we going to reach the world before Jesus comes? It's one person telling another person about Jesus. Amen. Amen. And when we do that, we will see people saved daily such as pleasing unto the Lord. And so one life's goal is to take people from believing to following. When a person has an encounter with God, they believe. Huh? They believe. And that's the first step. salvation that's the first step to having a relationship but it but it's not enough to just start the journey right he who endures to the end the same shall be saved so how are we going to endure how are we going to make it how are we going to not just begin and then quit But we're going to make it to the end. We're going to make it to the finish line. How is it that we're going to do that? It's it's when we begin to become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. James 2 and 19 says this. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even demons believe and they shudder. So the devil is fearful. He believes But it's not just good enough. How many know the devil's not saved? (laughs) But it's a beginning process of salvation. We believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and we are saved. But now that we're saved, we have to do something with our salvation. And so believing is the first step and it's a wonderful step. But there's a next step that comes after believing and that is following. Becoming a follower, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28, in verse 19, he said, therefore, go and make converts. Huh? Is that right, Brother Joe? No. Go and make disciples. Amen? Conversion is the first step but Jesus said thank God for that I'm not but I'm not interested in you just making converts I'm interested in you making disciples followers of how many all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and so our greatest challenge today in the church is that of making disciples I was in a leadership meeting about a month ago and, um, amongst uh, some top leaders and I said to them, I said, my greatest challenge is, is not getting people saved. Our greatest challenge that I believe in the church is making disciples. And I never asked for an amen. All around that table they said, yes, yes, that is the greatest challenge that we have because you, you have to it's more than just coming to the first step but now you've got the disciple, salvation is easy all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord accept him as your savior and your Lord but discipleship is much more difficult because disciple at the root of it discipline you have to discipline yourself you have to do things you don't enjoy doing I mean, no, Holy Spirit, don't wake you up every morning with canaries singing, saying, this is a day to pray. And you jump up and start (laughs) start praying with great joy. I don't know, maybe you're more spiritual than me, but that don't happen to me every day. But our prayer is a disciplined life. It isn't something that just comes all the time. Yes, the spirit of prayer can come and it's joyous. You can begin when a spirit of prayer comes. It's a joy that you can pray for two hours and think you're there two minutes. But more often in your life, prayer is a discipline in your life that you develop through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Just because you're a friendly church doesn't make you a discipling church. Real life change happens in the context of relationships. And first relationship is this, is only God can change a person's life. Only Jesus Christ can change a person's life for real. Huh? But the second thing is, is relationship with others in our family. Others in the kingdom. That you cannot uh, you cannot correct someone until you first have relationship with them. Amen. If you don't have relationship with somebody, especially in the day that we're living in, if you bring correction to them without relationship, that you will never see them again. Amen. The model... We model relationship through multi-generational teaching, multi-generational, the, the, the elder teaching the younger. We need some fathers in the church. We need some mothers in the church that will develop relationships with another generation so they can bring correction to them. Amen. If we allow generations to divide us, then we'll never be able to bring the correction that is needed. We'll never have the mothers and the fathers in the church where that even though they come to us and they put us in line, we honor and respect them so that even though it hurts us, even though it cuts us, we accept that and we line up to that because we see the life that they live. And we know when they come to us, they're not coming to us to beat us down with some religious beating. But they're doing it because they love us. Huh? And so we have to have spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. Especially in a day whenever uh, that we are living in a fatherless generation. Especially in a day whenever an orphan spirit is so real in our nation. We've got to have some mothers and fathers that will rise up and be leaders to another generation. That's what Timothy said, isn't it? He said to, to, to Timothy said that, that the older is to speak into the younger. An uh, older m- mother is to take a younger daughter and to speak into her life and tell her how to live. We could say that with a father as well. An older father is to speak into a younger son's life and teach them the ways. Huh? This text tells us how they kept unity going. By going to the temple, right? Forsake not the symbol of yourself together. As a matter of some are, but even as you see the days approaching, he said, even more come into the house of the Lord. But then he says also, by going house to house. So what's the difference? Let's look here. The temple experience was corporate worship. I told you the other week that everything that's in this house should be in your house. Amen. The difference is we come corporately together to worship. I put my voice with your voice. I put my clap with your clap. I put my praise with your praise, huh? And we do it corporately together in the house of the Lord. But we're to do that individually at home throughout the week. The encounter that we have here on Sundays should be the closest thing to heaven that you experience until you get there amen this isn't a mortuary this is not a library huh this isn't a place for you to come to sit and to soak and to somber and to be quiet and go through the motions huh this is a place that should look like heaven what does heaven look like I guarantee you, heaven's not going to have people going around looking like they're in the mully grubs. Heaven's not going to have people, whenever worship is going on, just standing there saying, when's this going to be over? I got bad news for you, Bubba, never. <laughs> right? When, 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 when? No. You see, what, this should be the closest thing. The, the, you should feel so much love in this house. Love for one another. Care for one another. The, and you, you shouldn't feel anything more powerful than that until you get to the other side. You ought to feel the most love. You should feel the most compassion. You should feel the most grace. You ought to feel the spirit of, uh, of celebration that takes place in this house. It ought to be the closest thing that you experience to heaven until you get there. The word is preached. Vision is cast. It's the place where that shepherding is taking place, where that, that I as a pastor or whoever is preaching is protecting the sheep from the wolves in sheep's clothing. It is a place of the Lord's Supper, the place of baptism. It's a place where that leadership rises. It's a place where Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man place that we rest we should come and rest in his presence we ought to leave here not tense we ought to not leave here feeling beat down we ought not leave here thinking dear god i'm glad i can go home and take a nap now no we ought to leave here excited we ought to leave here energized renewed refreshed because of the presence of god in the presence of my brothers and sisters can you say amen So not only do we have the temple, all of that takes place. But you can't get to know your brother and your sister in the temple. There's not a place for it here. Amen? Tom can't get to know Joshua any better because all he does, he may know how many gray hairs he has in the back of his head. But all he's doing is seeing the back of his head. How can he develop a better? How can he develop a better relationship? You hear me? We're here to worship the King. It's where we put our praise together. It's where we do what we do week throughout the week corporately together. But it's not the place where we get to know each other better. So how is it that Jesus spends most of his time? Not in the temple, but in the community and in homes. you realize Jesus did most of his miracles outside of the church? I've always known that, but I thought I would find out exactly how many miracles that Jesus did at the church and the best that I can do in my study is does anybody know three three miracles Jesus does in the temple now I I love to be corrected so if if I'm wrong on that anybody can do that study and help me out I'm I'm being honest I'm not being whatever I'm being honest but this is Luke chapter 4 he cast the demon out. Man, in Matthew chapter 8 and verse, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 10, he healed the man with a withered hand. He was in the temple. We remember when all the, the holy people were standing around and they was wanting to chastise him because he was healing on the Sabbath day. And they were in the temple. And then the third one is in Luke chapter 13, uh, verses 11 and 12. It, that's where the woman who had been over, was been over for 18 years, he healed her in the temple. And all the rest of the miracles Jesus did, he did not do them in the temple. He did them in the marketplace. He did them along the way. He did them in houses where people were. Huh? Peter's mother-in-law sick with a the fever they didn't say well send somebody over there and get her and bring her to the temple no he went to where she was rebuked the sickness you know and I, I don't want to get into all that but she had a fever so it suggests to me that she had more than just a bad day she had some kind of infirmity connected to that fever but Jesus rebuked the fever immediately she gets healed gets up and cooks him some dinner Amen? Jesus did this on a regular basis. What I want to suggest to you today, and, I, and hear my heart, I thank God uh, that for the supernatural power of God, but I believe we have concocted something in our minds, conjured up a thought that it is so unusual, excuse me, so unusual, and you have to be so super-duper to see miracles that we think that they 're just impossible to take place, but what if somebody would dare, dare to believe that you can have a miracle in your house this week? What if someone would dare to believe I know i 've preached it to you, but somebody 's going to try it what, what if someone was to believe that, they could, that that healing could take place in Walmart? That, that your neighbor, your co-worker, the one that, that, that shows up at the marketplace or your workplace or your home, that you can tell them about Jesus and this week they've been delivered from addictions. Amen? We corporately plant the seed, the word of God goes forth, but we privately weed Publicly sow seed, but we privately weed. You don't weed in the temple. You don't embarrass people. But I'd have a little more help than this. Amen. You don't go, don't go showing people and telling people, well, this, that you have this, up uh, this problem or this situation or this thing those things are not dealt with now i know god can deliver you in a moment come on somebody but i'm talking about whenever you have issues of the heart that you're dealing with in your life uh you don't you don't get up and 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 you know and somebody say i I just want everybody to know i'm dealing with lust huh I just want somebody to know I'm addicted to I'm addicted to pain pills. Just want everybody to know. I want to know I want everybody to know that me and my husband are not getting along. You, you, we don't do that publicly. We do that privately. Whenever we have brothers and sisters that we can confide in. Where that we have confidence in them and trust enough that we can tell them our challenge in our heart, what we're struggling with in our life, and know that they're not going to go put it on Facebook. Come on, somebody. That they're not going to go telling other people, well, I just want you to pray for them because you know, yeah, shut up, you gossiper. <laughs> Come on. Amen. But we do it privately because we have relationship and we can believe one for another. Can you hear me today? The pastor shares in the temple, but the people share in the homes. Pastor shares in the temple, but people share in their homes. We share the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm listening in the temple, but I'm actively participating in my home. I come here to hear the word of God, the meat with meekness, the engrafted word of God that's able to save my soul. But when I go home, I don't leave it at the temple. I take it with me and begin to apply that word to my life, activate it in my life so that I participate with the word that I heard at the temple. Why? Because I'm not just a believer anymore. Now I'm being equipped. I'm being a follower So what I've learned today at the temple, I live out tomorrow in my life because I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so there are so many needs that are not met at the church, at the temple gathering that when we have relationships can be met together in homes, In the house-to-house experience, the older teach the younger. It's called mentoring. Amen. I love mentorship. I have been spared years of struggle, sitting with individual for 30 minutes. I would say shaved off 15 years of struggle of my life because they told me, what not to do. He said, son, this is, this is the struggle of life. This is what you're dealing with. I walked down this road before. This is what I did and it did not work. And, and, but this is what I did and it did work. And, and help me in a moment of mentorship to spare me years of pain and struggle. Amen. And so I challenge you today, not be afraid for, to set up under somebody who is older than you are, that has went ahead of you, that has dealt with some things so they can help you and spare you some pain. Amen. The second thing is Accountability. When you're in a house-to-house, you, you become count, accountable. There is no long ranger. James 5 and 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another that you may and pray that for each other so that you may be healed. I've already given you an example. We don't do that here, but we confess our sins to those that we trust. So that we can be healed. There's a scripture that tells us this. He says that that the enemy is restrained or constrained into outer darkness. And I've seen so many people that have been freed, been liberated just by coming and and sharing in confidence. A struggle, a fight, a battle that they've had in their life. And the moment that they begin to share that, that what is taking place in their life, instantly they're set free from that thing. It's not because they're talking to me. It's because they're chained in the outer darkness. That that has been hid, hid, that that's been concealed. The enemy can torment your mind and torment your spirit. But the moment that you confess your sin, your fault, your difficulties to a brother or sister that you can have confidence in, God's power will come and release you from that thing. Amen. so we confess to jesus privately and that's forgiveness but we confess to others and walk it out in victory through accountability amen god can set you free from pornography he can set you free from uh, you know and I, i'm not going to go into all kinds of calling all kinds of things but whatever it is you, you're dealing with he can set you free from it instantly But then walking in accountability keeps you free. It walks you out of that thing and the further you walk away from it the less draw that it will have on your life. But if you have somebody that is keeping you accountable it will cause you to stay free from the bondage that you come out of. Amen. We learn through people sharing. I can tell you Uh, you know I was raised up in the church I mean raised up in the church anytime anything was going on at the church we were at the church and um, you know we didn't have these little week revivals two days three days (laughs) things. we had revival six eight weeks you know people can't take that no more you know they may get tired and can't go to work or whatever but they can stay up and watch games till hallelujah but anyways we were there we were there if it was eight weeks we was there every night all of those things and seen some powerful things i've told you the stories before i sat on the right hand side right there on that corner bench and i watched miracles take place I watched people be delivered from demonic spirits. I seen blind eyes open. I seen backsliders return to God. I seen healing of cancer and gorders that come off of people's bodies. I seen all kinds of miraculous things sitting there on that front row. And that right hand side of that little church in Brimfield, Ohio. But the greatest moments, if you can believe it, wasn't that. Most of the time the evangelist would come to our house and stay. And I like to set up afterwards and listen to them talk. Talk about the goodness of God. Talk about the stories of how God moved and delivered and ministered. And here I heard things around the table eating sandwiches, amen, that has stuck with me all these days. Something that a church service couldn't do. But something got deep into my spirit, deep into my life. Whenever I would hear those saints of God talk about the goodness of God, they talked about him like they knew him. Huh? They talked about him like like he was right there. He was their best friend. They talked about him, about him like they they just that was part of their life. That was part of their DNA. It it wasn't something super duper. It was just part of their life. Imagine that. Why do we need to have connection? Why do we need community? Why do we need to have relationships? with brothers and sisters because it causes us to grow over the long haul. Being a church member takes very little effort. All you have to do is show up. But being a part of a life group is an intentional effort. You have to get involved. People leave the church and shortcut discipleship process, and it never begins, then you'll never grow. Amen? I want to give you a few statistics here. There are nearly 20 million people, adults, that are actively seeking more spirituality according to Barna Group but they don't they come to the church but the church is not meeting that need the church is not just a birthing center people are being born again and converted but that's not the end of us that's just the beginning of us Amen? How many come back? How many get involved in not only encountering God, but being equipped so that they're making an initial commitment to their spiritual life and spiritual growth? Jesus is more concerned about conversions than he was crowds. And he was more concerned about making disciples than he was conversions. All right. Listen to this. The average evangelical church in America wins how many people a year you think? 100. Have 100 member evangelical church wins how many to Christ each year? less than two 1.67 I don't know how you divide a person up but that, that's it 1.67 people are saved in the evangelical church in America averaging 100 people one third of church membership states their greatest needs are not being met in their church but that when they began to go to groups or life groups, those life groups met their need for a continual growth in their relationship with Christ. Only 50% of church members pray for at least five minutes a day. I'm sorry, not a day, five minutes per week. Only 11% of church members have shared the gospel even once in the last year. 33% have never shared the gospel with anyone. And I have about 10, 15 more minutes of your time today. This is my concern. My concern is this. If you do not have a relationship strong enough to share your faith with someone else, are you going to go to heaven? I'm not damning you to hell. I'm just asking you a question. It's a question I've been thinking, asking myself the last few weeks if we are not confident enough in our salvation if it has not changed us enough that we want to tell somebody else how good he is is he really good this is my next concern i know it's heavy i know it's heavy but it's all right my next concern is this if we do not have a strong enough relationship with christ to share our faith, then do we have a strong enough relationship with Christ to endure to the end? Because, make no mistake about it, my brothers and sisters, I I look around here today and I think, I don't have my glasses on at the moment, but I look around here and I think most of you have have been here a while. You understand my heart. I'm not a gloom and doom preacher. But I am realist. And I'm telling you, not because the Holy Spirit's told me, I'm not prophesying that, but I'm telling you that hard times are coming to America. There's two worlds that are colliding together, and the goodness and the darkness, and they're colliding at the same time in our nation. And we're going to see a third great awakening, but we're also going to see challenges like we have never faced in our life right here in America. And it's going to happen at the same time. I spent the last three days with um, leaders from around the world. I went to Atlanta and we spent three days there with 127 leaders from around the world that we're talking about the end time and talking about what god is doing and we all agreed that and the spirit of god confirmed that 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 there is not only going to be an awakening come to america but through the spirit the word of the lord came and said i'm not only interested in america but he said i'm going to bring a global awakening to the nations and so i believe that but then I sat there and I listened to these testimonies of men that came to the microphone one after another and I felt what in the world am I doing in this room? Man like Paul I that's from Vietnam. He was a witch doctor there. They he was the highest ranking witch doctor in Vietnam. They called for him because they was having some people had come to his the, the region and began to preach the gospel and uh, they believed in signs and wonders. They seen miracles and they preached in this crusade and they came to him and they said, uh, uh, Paul, you need to come down here because if you don't, everyone is going to get saved. He said, people are being saved. He said, some of your followers, some of the people coming up under you are being saved. He said, okay, I'll go there and I'll take care of it tomorrow. He goes down there and he says, I called on 3,672 gods to stop this meeting. And he said, nothing happened. I'll give you the short of it. He went there for five days. He said, on five days, said he fasted, he prayed, he called on all these gods and he said, nothing happened. And so he said, he went Uh, whenever they told him said if you have any questions come to the front and he said I thought this is my opportunity and he said I ran to the front and he said for two hours they answered my hardest questions about Jesus and said that night I gave my heart and life to Christ and uh, turned my life around. Whenever he got home, news had already got back to his home. His grandfather says, Paul, what do you think you're doing? He said, Tell me that you're not going, you've not accepted Jesus Christ. Tell me that. He said, Renounce that. He said, No, I, I, I have. He said, I'm going to give you till in the morning to renounce him. If you do not renounce him, you're dead in this family, you're gone. And uh, so he woke up the next morning and he said I've been there for 5 nights he said I remembered some of the songs that they were singing They was got into my head and he said grandfather woke me up before I woke up and he said what is your decision and in his broken english he said i began to sing that song i have decided to follow jesus <laughs> no turning back no turning back they put him in prison they put him in a prison on, uh, for, uh, for um, people that was on death. Or Well, they put him in three different prisons. One of them was on death row. The other one he went to. But what the problem was, when they put him in death row, instead of him going and giving in to, to it, uh, they put him in I forget how many people were in the cell with him but they put him inside that cell and he starts leading them to Jesus until everyone in the prison gets saved so they pull him out of there and said that don't work they put him into this other prison and he goes over there and all the people get saved they said well we got enough of that they blindfolded him drove him for six hours when he opened his eyes he found himself in the middle of a prostitute women prison they said we're going to fix him but he, but he shared Jesus, Jesus, Jesus with them until so all of those women say, got saved. Said and they said there's no, no use in putting them in prison so they can't out of the country. country. And they said, "Don't you ever try to back here. come back and here again. And I'm complaining cause people I'm because people don't show up for church. church. Amen. That's Paul Ives' story. Joey's from China. Joey has a vision of reaching the world from China, having many multiple people going out of China and being saved, uh, having crusades and seeing the world change for Jesus Christ. And, and Joey, uh, they told Joey, they said, this cannot happen. You cannot do this. And they told him, they said, they put him on death row. They said to him, you renounce Jesus, forget this foolishness, or we're going to kill you. They brought him in, said, here's your food. What's your last request? And he said, I want to pray. And he said that he began to pray the Lord's Prayer. And he said that whenever he was praying, he said that they do not kill you till you get finished talking. So he said he just continued to say the Lord's Prayer over and over again. But he said in the middle of saying the Lord's prayer, he said something happened and the presence of God came into that room and so fear of the Lord came into the room. The people that was over him said, get up, get up and go back to your cell. Get out of this room. They didn't kill him, but they deported him without his wife and two children. He said, if you ever come back, you'll die. Now, that couldn't be God, could it? I mean, it can't be God for you to be separated from your family, can it? That's what we would say. It must not be the Lord's will. We'll just be a undercover Christian. <laughs> Joey asked him, he said, they said, do you renounce Jesus? And he said, if I told you I renounced him, would you believe me? And they said, no, we wouldn't. He said, why you ask me such a question? Luke is from Iran. They've run him out of the country. They told him that if you ever come back, we will kill you at the airport. But he still has people there on the ground that is sharing the gospel. He said last week, two of them died. They had leaders that had home groups underground home groups they found them and they killed them for leading it and they put the ones that were in the house in prison for 10 years it's easy being a christian in america just show up at church on sunday Bashan is a young man that is from Pakistan, one of the most dangerous places in the world to preach the gospel. I watched him in amazement as he had a never-ending smile on his face. I watched him in time of worship because... You know, people can tell you a lot of stuff, but if you watch them while they worship, you can find out a lot about a person. I watched him with that electrifying smile on his face as he got up and pulled his coat off and began to spin and dance and worship God with such joy and with such freedom and with such a smile on his face. A man that is, knows that he's going back to a place where he can't do that. But he says, I'm ready to die for Jesus. I don't mean to be so whatever, but I I think it's time for us to be real. I mean, the Jesus you have, are you ready to die for him? Or is he just enough for you to come on Sunday and give an hour and a half? Are we going to be able to stand for Jesus on what we come and get on Sunday at the temple? And not have, when the difficult times come, we don't have a prayer partner. We don't have anyone to touch and agree with us. We don't have a relationship with brothers and sisters so that we can come into agreement and bind up those strongholds and the things that are coming against us. Are we really going to do that? I I pray that we are. I wish I could tell you that we're not going to have difficult times, but I think that I would be foolish telling you that. But I'd rather be prepared for it. Huh? Than for it to come and not be able to stand. I'd rather us prepare for it than whenever the pressure comes and they say If you preach the gospel, you're going to go to prison. Wonder how many preachers are going to quit. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to be martyred. How many is going to hold on to the bloodstained banner and say, I'm so in love with him that I cannot deny him? It would be better for me to die a Christian than to deny him because he's been so good to me. I don't mean to be so heavy. I don't mean to be, but but I'm not sorry for it. I'm not sorry for it. Because I believe that we have to have more than a Sunday morning religion. We have to have a relationship every single day of our lives. That relationship with him is the encounter. It's the discipleship. Right? It's my brothers and sisters that whenever I'm weak, I can grow strength from them. I know we're living in a different world, but you know the power of a text message, a good one, (laughs) that you have a prayer partner that just says, you know what, God's put me on you on my heart today, and I've been praying for you. Whenever somebody comes to your heart, I'll just share this, but whenever someone comes to your heart, I've I've learned that you're not even thinking about them. You're not, you know, wondering, well, what's, they just come into your heart, your mind. They're there for a purpose. Holy Spirit's brought them to your mind. You may not know what they're going through. You may not know what they're facing. But you can crawl into that thing with them in the spirit of prayer. And you can begin to pray and rebuke the enemy and the strongholds, whatever the situation is, and you can be a part of their victory and their success because you've been obedient in a relationship to pray for your brother and your sister. Amen. Amen. I haven't always been faithful to do it, but I try to be. Because whenever there's times in my life, whenever I'm down, I want some Holy Spirit goes and talks to somebody else. I want them to Take time to pray for me. And whatever we go through in these last days, I don't want to try to go through it by myself. Whatever we deal with and the circumstances, you, you understand the climate that we are living in, the culture that we're living in, my brothers and sisters, is not going to be turned overnight. It is not going to be turned, you know, in the government. If you're thinking about the government, it's not going to be turned in four years or eight years. The culture we are now presently living in is because of the past 25 years in America. And this thing is building and building and building. And we're seeing the turmoil. We're seeing the undercurrents of coming to the surface. We've seen these spirits that are being activated publicly that only would dare to be in private just a few years ago. Amen. But make no mistake about it. Nothing is happening by accident. I'm going to quit in just a minute. You can come, Melissa. Nothing is happening by accident. Nothing is happening because of this political party and this political party or this over here. It is strategic spiritual warfare that is taking place. And all these people are, are puppets that are behind the scenes. The spirit is moving and working in them. And we're seeing all of this come together. And I'm telling you, the church has to do more than believe. But we've got to be encou- have an encounter with God, have relationship with God, have fellowship with God. Know him personally. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not looking forward to it. But I want to be ready that if they tell me, don't preach the gospel anymore, or you're going to prison, I want to have the tenacity and the strength. I want to know him so greatly and the conviction so strong in my heart to say, do what you must. I want to be like Paul, I, wherever I am, tell the gospel until the whole world hears amen I may have shared this story with you it's the last one I'll tell and we'll go home but I was in the jungles of Africa a few years ago we had set up a tent in an area for to have a crusade whenever I went there no one would come into the tent under the tent around the tent there was hundreds of people standing around but would not dare come into the tent I asked afterwards I said what's going on here why aren't people coming under the tent why aren't people responding and they said didn't they tell you and I said what he said Well, they killed three Christians here, three preachers last month. They're afraid that if they come into this tent that they are going to be connected, related with you and Jesus and they could be cut off. They could lose their jobs. Their kids could have to quit school and they're not willing to do that. I wish that I could tell you that I went back to the hut that night slept like a baby but I don't think I slept all night long I wish I could tell you I was a man of God's faith and power and I was here to change the world but the reality is there was a struggle on the inside of me it said are you going to get up tomorrow and preach this gospel knowing that your life could be in jeopardy are you just going to shut up wait your time out get on a plane and go back home when the time is due to do so. I wrestled with those thoughts. I thought about my family. I thought about Renee and Jordan and Destiny. I thought about the image of them possibly sending me home in a wooden box. But before the sun came up, I settled it in my heart. For me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. So I knew I had to do something to smack the devil in the face. And so I asked those I said, "Is there can you get me some bull horns?" If they wouldn't come to where I was at, I was going to go to them. We got some bullhorns, about three of them. And we went to the corner and we started talking about Jesus, his love, and how he loved them and how he died for them. And how he could heal them and set them free by God's grace and his mercy. We prayed for a crippled man and God healed him. We prayed for a blind man and God touched him. And then I gave an altar call, an invitation, and said, If you want to know this God, that you've known this man all of his life. You've seen what he is. You know he's blind. You know this one has been crippled. And my God healed him today. If you want to know him, come. It seemed like to me everyone that was standing there crowded in to accept Jesus as their Savior. Long story short, before that meeting was over, we didn't just have one tent full, but we filled up the second tent, and we filled up the third tent, and then we went to a place where not only those three tents, but the whole field was, was filled with people that came to Jesus. And in that place that last month, they had them in fear and bondage and said, you're going to die. Now, the whole village had accepted Jesus Christ, and we was able to plant a church there that made a difference in the world don't you want to make a difference yeah. don't you want your life to count to not just go through the motions not just to be quiet but I want my life to count I want to make an impact I want to live beyond the age that, 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 that I am whenever they say he has died But I want my influence to go beyond that. To impact another nation, another region, another generation. To believe that all things are possible to them that believe. Amen? But we can all do that. But it's not going to happen by just believing. You've got to step on over and say, I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to build relationships with my brothers and sisters, not barriers. And I'm going to walk together and see the kingdom of God advanced. Amen. Stand with me today. Can we just love on the Lord? There's a sweet presence of the Holy Spirit here today. Can we just love on him for just a moment? Just say yes. If you just agree with this word today, just put a yes in your heart. I just want you to say yes to him today. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
1: Let your kingdom come here on earth as it is.
0: Say yes to your will, your ways, your wants, your desires. We bring you a yes today. God, and we place a yes upon the altar. Yes to whatever you desire, your will, your ways. We surrender ours to you today. I pray today, God that as we share the word today that you will stir each and every heart that is represented here God not of condemnation but convict our hearts that we would take inventory of our lives the investment that we're making in our spiritual walk with you, our discipleship, our following of you, have we quit following? Have we walked a ways and now we've quit following? Quit going on? Help us today to follow you to the end. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Caesar are praying and Melissa is going to sing again in a moment. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've not made that commitment. You know that he's real, but you've not made that commitment to serve him. Today's a great day to do that to gray is a great day to say I choose to follow him to walk with him to make him savior and lord of my life this altar of course is open but in particular I feel like that I wouldn't be doing right if I didn't give that opportunity today for somebody to say yes to Jesus say I surrender all to you today can't do it on my own, but I'm trusting you. I'm asking you for your help and your grace today. And if that's you, I want to invite you to come today. If you don't have to come alone, ask somebody to come with you. But if you haven't made that commitment, make it today. If you need to rededicate or recommit your life to Christ, it's been a long time and you've drawn cold and indifferent with him. Make that commitment afresh and anew today. Say, not only am I going to believe, but I'm going to follow him. Amen. Miss Melissa sings, come on today, come on.
1: Shaking up the earth, up. revival, yeah. We wanna see a kingdom here. We wanna see a kingdom here.
0: Hallelujah! Praise God! Can we give Him praise today? Hallelujah! Father, I just pray for each and every one of us today that we grow closer to you.